What's going on, Spitfires? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Spitfire Podcast. We are rocking and rolling with our interview series. Uh, if you didn't notice, we have some some fiery guests who are are different in their own way, but they are spinning the fire in their specialty. But they're not spitting fire in a niche. In fact, my guest today is going to talk about denichifying your systems and your business. Beata Chalette is amazing. I am looking at her bio right now and I'm like, I could try to cut this back, but I'm just going to read it to you because literally what she's been up to is amazing and you need to hear all of it. Um, she is the growth architect and founder of the Women's Code, a first generation immigrant who found herself $135,000 in debt as a single parent, Beata bootstrapped her passion for photography into a highly successful global business and eventually sold it to Bill Gates. That's right, that Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. uh, and she is amongst the top 100 global thought leaders by People Hum and one of 50 must-follow women entrepreneurs by Huffington Post. They go by HuffPost now. It's, it's very edgy. They just simplify it. So if you're not following her, now you know, follow her, Beata Chalette. We're going to have all of her information in there. As a strategic advisor to organizations from startups to Fortune 100 global brands, Beata helps organizations to grow through her five, count them, five-star success blueprint methodology. And clients call Beata for leadership and professional development, team building, executive coaching, and workplace unification. Yes, we need to be unified. And her recent clients include Chevron, Merck, the Women's Legislative Caucus of California, Cal State, Dominguez Hills, the Association for Corporate Growth, uh, Advertising Agency, Tracy Locke, and thousands of small businesses. Uh, she is the author of the number one international award-winning Amazon bestseller, Happy Women, Happy World. Ain't that the truth? Uh, and uh, let's see. And it's a book that, oh, there's another book, How to Go from Overwhelmed to Awesome. And it's a book that corporate trainer and best-selling author Brian Tracy calls a handbook for every woman who wants health, success, and a fulfilling career. Well, I know I want one of those. Beata, thanks so much for joining me today. Lauren, I, I can't wait. I mean, how can I resist even the name Spitfire? I mean, that should be my new middle name. Oh, well, in fact, you didn't have a middle name, but maybe it is Spitfire is your middle name. Yeah, I think the rule is if you call yourself something long enough, you have the right to actually make that your legal name. In fact, I think that is in the law. It's like if you call it for more than seven years, it's like common law marriage. It's now your name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So we, we've already established like new, new, new middle name. And before we started the show, we were talking about like kind of things that were top of mind, things we were passionate about. Um, and you are like the, the spitfire of systems. Uh, but we were talking about niching. What are your thoughts on niching? So, so I have a very, I'm very opinionated about niching. I don't think niching works for everyone. And uh, there's a very simple reason for that, because when you are working in one niche, you never see the other pieces. But as someone who is just obsessed with building systems that, you know, that cohesively work together, somebody has to take the plane and go up to 30,000 feet and take a look at what the, all, the whole picture looks like and identify where the things are that, are that are not working together. So if you have 16 niches, you have 16 silos, basically. So mm. that's why we were talking about denichifying. Mm. So niche is now like the, the new silo, but it's like trying to reframe it and glamorize it. 
<laughs> you know, I, I think there's a, there's a place and a time for it, but you know, in my strategic consulting, what happens a lot of times is that when I work with business owners or other consultants and they say, well, we've been trained to find a particular type of problem, which is our back door to go in, but that's not, that's not satisfying for me. So if, if, the listeners now are going like, oh man, that resonates with, with, with me. Or, hey, women, that resonates with me. That really is about you not wanting to just be pigeonholed in then one particular place. So I myself struggled for this for a long time because I do the women's code. I do the workplace unification. I do the leadership piece. I do the uh, team building piece. And I do the business development piece. And so I've been told, like probably a lot of other people, Lauren, is that, well, what is it that you do? Well, I kind of make the business work. I make mm. all elements work together. Because if the leader, the team, and the systems don't work together, it's a bumpy road. And how many times are you hearing from your clients, I don't even know where to start? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I'm wondering like where this, this, uh, I'm not even going to call it popular wisdom, but it's like almost this gimmicky wisdom of what's your niche, find your niche. I mean, when I was in coaching school, it was always, well, what's your coaching niche. And I remember being so, um, I don't know if, if I was angry or confused, but I was, I was really like, that's not what I want to do. Like, I don't want to just say I am only this thing. And I've even stepped away from coaching as me identifying myself as a coach. Um, because I feel like it's very limiting in, in the full offering and the experience. So I'm curious how you, how you discover that within yourself, that, that you are the full package system. You know, I think that um, interestingly enough, and, and sort of this is really the, the part about a good system. And so I look at it, you know, the way I approach is very different. So I look at what is your overall process? How do you work? Right. So the clients come to you and then what? And then once you do that, then what's the next step? And then once they do that, what's the next step? So we really map out the whole thing. And then we do what I call put the umbrella over it. And then that umbrella becomes sort of the niche in disguise. Right. But it isn't that what's under the umbrella that you have to pick out any one of these one things, mm. because that would be, you know, again, really niche. So we had a, I was working with a client and, you know, and she had been told she had to even figure out what the industry was, you know, to the, to be this specific. So there's nothing wrong with someone coaching dentists. There's nothing wrong with someone helping lawyers how to run their business there, you know, if that's what makes them happy and they're that clear because they are a lawyer or, or whatever, I don't have an issue with that at all. I mean, God bless them, keep doing what you're doing, just scale it up. But there are those of us who have a different calling. And so you have to figure out what is the term that goes over it. So if I'm a system builder, right? Now it doesn't matter what's under my umbrella because it could be any kind of system. And so, you know, we are working out a, for a mental health organization, I'm working with a colleague on mapping out their life cycle 
in their uh, curriculum development. So that's a pretty big umbrella, but I can only do that if I understand how this business unit works with all the other business units. So that's not niche, but it is niche mm -hmm. because it's under the umbrella of building the system. So it could be that, you know, someone says, well, I work with mission-driven leaders. Well, that's technically a niche, right? But it isn't because that could mean that they are in different stages of their business. That means that they could be dentists, lawyers, they could be um, large organizations, small organizations, they could be teams. So I think it's really important for us to understand that, that the, the myth of the niche that you have to get so granular is not always helpful in, but hurtful in building our businesses that sometimes the umbrella that goes over it is what liberates us. For those of us who are more system oriented, more formula driven, more big picture people, because you know, a, a leader doesn't just work in the niche, a leader, you know, the CEO of the company works with every single business unit. Mm -hmm. So he knows that the units don't work together. So if we put the umbrella over it and we say, well, we help units, business units to seamlessly collaborate together. Well, that's a niche again, but it isn't a niche, you know? So I think that's the freedom of the liberty of thinking about it in a different way. So it's almost like if we if we put a word before it, like we can big picture niche it or we can get like super granular function task niche. -y. Um, it sounds like it's it's very much on a spectrum of, you know, if you were really lensing or focusing in, depending on where your sweet spot is on the focus is really where you thrive. You know, if you're not focused enough then everything looks very, very blurred and, you know, color splotchy, if you're too in the weeds, you can't see all the other functions and other pieces of it. So it's, it's really like at what height or what, what distance from the, the specificity to the generalization is your sweet spot magic. I think you said that very well. Yes, exactly. There is, there is the, the part where, you know, you do have to get very clear what excites you the most. And so for me, you know, in this pandemic, um, implosion of our industry of no speaking, no training, no life events, mm -hmm. Uh, not getting really paid for Zoom events, but you know, just just trying to get your 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 authority platform, your exposure somewhere, and expert status intact while we're going through this. The question really is what what excites you more than anything. And for me, you know, I just came to the point where I said if I could build systems and formulas all day, I couldn't be happier. And then I looked at on if I was going to switch that and reframe that, which is the technique I teach, you know, how do you reframe your positioning? And I said, if I take that and I position this away from, you know, what women do all the time, we always apologize and have to make sure that people know we have a right to speak. So if I eliminate all of that, and I just, you know, just grab that and say, I have a right to speak, I'm already an expert. Now, how would I reframe that? And now I'm reframing it, you know, unapologetically, mm -hmm which is why I call it the unapologetic value proposition. And I say, when you come to me, you already have certain things in place. Mm -hmm. You already know who you are and what you do, but it's not working. And you don't know which of the many pieces you've built is not working. 
Let me take you through my process, my system, the five-star success blueprint, and I can diagnose within 45 minutes where the issues are and then tell you what the path is to connect them, to fix them, to change them. And usually is a lot of reframing. Usually it's a lot of just, you know, finding out, well, what would make you really happy? And then figuring out how are we going to position that so it looks like it's a niche, but it fits your personality and your passion, really. How, how likely are people to be able to answer that question of what makes you happy or, you know, where is your passion? Because even, even with the perfect system, I would, I would guess that without that foundational knowledge or understanding of the organization, the team, or the individual, that they could have the most beautiful system put in place and they would still destroy it because they lack that clarity within themselves. Yes. And so that's really part of the process because when, you know, I, I, this is a part, Lauren, that I believe that our whole educational system is responsible for. Amen. Because, (laughs) right. I mean, you're being taught that memorizing something is the key to everything in life, but that only we know from our personality assessments and what we know about psychology, that's only a small percentage of people. So we know that people that succeed in the educational system are people that somehow can remember stuff really well, have good Mm short-term memories. And then everybody else just goes, "Uh, what just happened? I struggled, right? I mean, how many people feel that they've been terrorized, terrorized by SAT tests and, you know, and then somebody figured out how to cheat that. Mm-hmm. So, and then we go into our first jobs and the performance review is based upon someone who is not even trained in leadership to look for things they don't like about you or they found you did wrong. And then they're going to force you to get really good at something you neither like, you don't want to do, you're not good at, and you, you're doomed to fail. And then that goes every, every quarter you're being terrorized to get better at things you don't want to do and you're not good at. So why would I give somebody an Excel spreadsheet if they are an intuitive and if they are incredible in team building? Why would I not give this person the position that they excel in making team members feel welcome and, uh, and, and, and collaborating with each other. Why would I want to terrorize this poor person? Why don't I find that person on my team that is good at Excel spreadsheets? Because that's what they love to do. Why wouldn't I want to do that? And so I think that in, within that, we're so used to looking at ourselves, especially women, as what's wrong with us, what we don't get right, what we don't know, that we are in perpetual guilt mode apologizing for, well, you know, I didn't buy organic foods. You know, I it took, I had takeout yesterday. I didn't cook myself. My poor children, you know, they, 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 they're going to grow up thinking I'm a terrible mother because I don't cook homemade organic meals every night. You know, my house is just not as clean as it could be. I can't believe that, you know, I, I don't know how to do that. Uh, my, my lead conversion isn't, you know, 0.5% larger. My marketing is flawed. I only have 2000 followers on Instagram. My Facebook group is not growing. You know, I, I, I don't know how my LinkedIn outreach campaign is going. And then we sit here and we go, <laughs> and you just need to stop that. And, and yeah. I think that eliminating things you don't like 
gets you to figure out what you like, mm. but nobody ever even asks that, that question. I mean, you know, who asks you, Lauren, what do you really like? What are you really good at? And you have to oh, actually people ask think me all the that. time. People ask, actually, so I was talking with um, a woman who reached out after listening to one of these shows and she's like, I just love this episode. I want to, can I just talk to you? And we just talked about our stories. And I said, you know, my life changed when I hit my rock bottom, like at an event, uh, you know, after doing the same work for 11 years and I hired a coach after 13 months of like my parents really being like, you should talk to this person. And one question changed my entire life, which is what do you want? And what makes you happy? I mean, technically that's two questions. And I couldn't answer him. And I was so frustrated because I was the straight A student school was not hard for me. I could, I could work the system. I knew who to say what to, to be able to do what I wanted, but I couldn't work that system. I couldn't figure out what's the right answer to pass the test here because I didn't know. I didn't know who I was. I was so all about external validation and making my husband at the time happy and making my, my clients happy and making my parents happy and making like whatever the world thought about me happy that I forgot that six-year-old little girl sitting on the counter eating a cupcake, what made her happy? And it, and it blows up, like your whole framework blows up when you suddenly have to look inside and say, oh crap, I don't even know who I am. Yes, and I, I, I think that in order to achieve our purpose or to really step into purpose and impact, what we came here to do that is the question we have to answer for ourselves. And mm -hmm. it is the hardest, the hardest question. Because then when you say, what do you really want? And then you share that you want to have this house with the infinity swimming pool overlooking the Pacific Ocean with a three-car garage of which one is a convertible, another one is a you know Mercedes camper, and the next one's whatever, the Tesla or whatever that might be. <laughs> then people go and they say, um, they say, you're crazy. You can, you kind of can't do that. And so I think that we are also used to measuring our expectation of what we want according to the programming we received. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I've been working with a mindset coach extensively in the last part of last year for three months, every morning I got up at like 6.30 and we had like these 20 to 30 minute mindset lessons to really step out of it and figure out what is holding me back? Like, why can I not, why can I not proclaim what I want? And what happens is that we also being taught to expect no more than what we need mm -hmm. to live because if we would do that, we would take something away from some deserving child somewhere in Africa. Like why, if you make a million dollars that would hurt a child in Africa is absolutely beside us, right? But, but if you take too much, then there's not enough for other people, which mm -hmm. is ridiculous in the, in the abundance principle. But that's what we've been programmed with, right? Mm -hmm. Don't take more than you can eat. Uh, you, you, you know, what do you even need that for? You don't need that. What do you need a horse for? Uh, we can't afford that. So we constantly being programmed with all the things that we shouldn't have, we shouldn't ask for, we shouldn't want. So we have to justify everything. And so when somebody says, what do you want? We don't even dare to speak up because it's been beaten out of us by society, ourselves, by media, by the way the perception goes. So we are not really in the abundance principle because the more we make, the more we can contribute. Mm. But 
it's just not arriving. So I think that the first step to really figuring out what it is that you want and what makes you super happy, it starts with the mindset work. I mean, I'm sure it was no different with you. You had to go inside and say, what do I want? And then, and then strip yourself from all the limitations other people put on you. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're almost, and I don't know if this is, if this is true for the work that you do, but there almost has to be a breakdown for you to rebuild and recreate. And so if you try to build upon a broken system, it undoubtedly will, will break down in certain aspects or it'll, it'll fail to work. But I think in order to really re- rebuild, you have to be willing to unplug and restart. 100%. I, I call it the three Bs. It's the breakdown, the breakthrough, the breakout. Mm. And it always goes in that cadence. Without the breakdown, there can't be a breakthrough. There can't be a breakout. So, you know, when somebody says to me, my life is terrible. I don't know what to do. I'm so confused. I say, congratulations, you're in breakdown mode. That means mm-hmm. you're just right there before breakthrough. And, you know, and, and so again, you know, in the reframing part, and this is really something that I, I, I recommend all listeners to really pay attention to what's the other way for you to look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is it, is it true what you're telling yourself or is there another way to look at it? Because if it would be working so well, there would be no breakdown, mm-hmm. but if it breaks down, it means it really wasn't working. So if the relationship breaks down, then it cannot have been such a great relationship. If the business is breaking down, then it cannot have been set up in such a way that it is everything that you want. Mm -hmm. So where are you mistaking the message as a failure versus an opportunity? Absolutely. Well, and it's almost like when you're in it, you you're in the jar, you can't see what the package is on the jar, but you're floating in it. And it's not until you can get outside and be like, Oh, this was a gift. Thank you so much. (laughs) I mean, isn't that the truth? How many times do you go back? And then when you tell the story, you say, you know what, if that wouldn't have happened, then that didn't happen. And Mm -hmm. then I wouldn't have met that person. Then I would have made that connection. So it's just, we lose trust, Lauren, that the universe is friendly and out there to support us. Mm-hmm. A lot of us get, get to think the universe is out there to get us. And, you know, and that needs to shift. Yeah, I, I've been doing a lot of work and thinking about things as my partner. So time, specifically money. So rather than an adversary or an obstacle, if this was a partner in my experience, how would that be different in the way that I thought about it? or interacted with it. That's interesting. I've never heard that one. So you look at time. I partner with time. Oh my God. I've never heard that before. That is brilliant Mm -hmm. because time, I fight time 24 hours a day. It's, it's not there to fight with you. It just is. So what do you do with it? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm going to have to ponder over that uh, Mm -hmm. because that is a revolutionary concept because if I were to reframe that I don't have enough time into I have the exact amount of time that I need to get done today what I need to get done to get me to tomorrow then how would that change my perception then I that would change the way I feel about what I did today I would be more gratified and fulfilled I wouldn't look at my to-do lists I would have and and say you know I, I failed myself I would say it was a really good day because I got exactly the right amount of things done that I could possibly do and not feel bad about that or time and I got all of this stuff done today time and I got all the stuff done today that's fascinating I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to learn more about that yeah I I used to be like the the checkbox 
Olympian. Like I wanted to see how many open boxes I could fill by the end of the day. And oh yeah, I mean, I've got my whiteboard to the left of me. Um, but I, I realized like I, when I first got into coaching, I started writing a book called Checkbox Zombies and it was trying to, you know, do away with expectations and check boxes. And what I realized is there's a time and a place for it. Like there's a time and a place for structure and for like clear lines of execution. Um, and so it's knowing when to pull that lever and when that lever is being pulled on you. So if you look at how you want to treat time as your partner versus how you want it to feel with you, then you can make those shifts and adjustments of celebrating what you are accomplishing versus what's remaining on your list. I love that. It's fascinating. Uh, that's a really good, good, good way to look at it because I think that people really need to need to come to peace with time where you always think like you're running out of time and you just yeah. don't have enough to get it all done and you want to squeeze every, every minute out of the day. But then, you know, we get back to what's important to you today and what matters most. And for that, you have to know what you want because then you can prioritize those things that are going to get you to, to where you need to go. So yeah, there's a, there's a, that's, there's a lot of richness in that. I like yeah. it. I like it a lot. Yeah. It's not just a commodity. It's, it's an experience and a transformation. Time is an experience and transformation. That's brilliant. Mm. I hope you'll tell everybody about this. I'm going to, well, I'm telling everybody who's listening <laughs> to this show. That's why you got to subscribe. So you get all these nuggets. Yeah. But I, I've been focusing more on time management and productivity. And I'm like, what are the key elements here that are not making people feel like their time is valuable and that they're valued in their time. And I think it's the relationship they have with it. So maybe your umbrella is the time whisperer. Yeah, helping, I've got helping. a I've got a lot of things under my umbrella. <laughs> it's a very helping, large umbrella. Happy. Well, that's the point, right? Mm -hmm. But within that, you can roam freely. You can then work with all kinds of people. You know, so just you know, just for the sake of using this as an example, but that's you know usually how it shows up. That suddenly something really powerful shows up, and it's very different and very unique. I've never heard that before. And I hear a lot because I, I do a lot of interviews, a lot of podcasts, I talk to a lot of people and I hear a lot of other people speak, but I've never heard that. Mm -hmm. So if I hear something like that, you know, I would then go and say, have you ever thought about making that the hero? And, you know, because under that hero, I bet if we, if we, you know, rearrange the system around that, that because this is such an integral part of what you do, that probably all the pieces would nicely fit into that. And we say, how does that feel? Right. If you could help people to make peace with time, because the number one excuse everybody has for not getting stuff done is what? I don't have time for that. I'm too busy. For that. I'm too busy. So if you could, if you could shift that, reframe that, help people to, and not with productivity tools. I mm -hmm. mean, you have the productivity tools, just part of what you do. I mean, you help them figure out the, 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 the details on how to be effective with time. But the perception of changing something that is the number one problem for literally everyone in the whole world, mm -hmm. I mean, would that open the door for courses, programs, for keynotes, TED Talks? Hell yes. It's so funny because it's so second. And, and I think this is probably what it is, is like your superpower, like that thing that comes so innately naturally. I'm like, well, doesn't everybody know this? Like, it, why is that a big deal? Why, why would that be a TED Talk? <laughs> But that's it. And I think, you know, now, now let's go back to denitrifying. 
because this is so second nature to you that you literally say, how can you like not know that? <laughs> that is the value you bring that nobody else can because you've done, this is your, your power, right? Mm -hmm. So if, 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 you know, so let's spin this further, right? So let's say other consultants like me, you know, we are building, we're building the bench. We are now going into organizations and from the CEO to the director, to the executive team, everybody says, we just don't have time for that. Do you think there's value if I would then say, I have a time expert who mm. will shift that completely and a hundred percent for you. You will never run out of time again. She has a, a program. She needs three days. Uh, it's going to cost you whatever, $35,000, $50,000. She'll come in and she'll make, and when she's done with you, you'll all have enough time. Would that be helpful to you? Okay. You got a hair raise out of me. <laughs> that's a big deal. <laughs> so that's my superpower. That's I love my, it. <laughs> that's my, that's my super skill. Like I can't help it. But when I hear it, it's, it, it immediately just shows up in my head like, okay, boom, 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 boom. And here's the courses and here's the way it's going to show up. And here's mm -hmm. the way the program, and here's how you organize it. Here's the beneficial outcome. It's done. I mean, it literally shows up the minute I talk. That's, That's the superpower. Yeah. And you know, what's funny. So I, I, you know, I look at core values and I'm sure you do too. And I've always been clear around my values around passion and community and play. Um, but what I haven't given a lot of time to is efficiency. And that is one of my big, big, big values. Well, and time and efficiency go hand in hand. Absolutely. I mean, that is that, you know, and, and that is only like the number one problem everyone struggles with <laughs> and, and not just in business, but in, in personal lives. I mean, look at, look at how many executives see. And now, and now once you have the umbrella, now you can land it. Now you can say, I have a program for executive men who never have time for their family to make time for their family so they can avoid multi-million dollar divorces, mm. right? So they can give the time to their family and their children post COVID when they go back to the office so that they, you know, have healthy relationships and build healthy homes. So now, now you got a whole other thing, right? You have a program. Now you can do a program for working moms, the, the, the guiltiest group in the whole world because you never get it right. You know, and so now you built up on that umbrella and say, well, what else goes into time and efficiency? And then now you can niche it mm -hmm. into, you know, into targeting these particular type of areas. And that'll be easy for you because of your marketing knowledge. Right? Brilliant. So it's all now, the little, all the people underneath the umbrella that right. you are. Exactly. And so when we look at the, you know, now, now when we look back at the bread that we, we were baking is like, what's, what's next, what's next, what's next, then you can say, well, within this, within the system of time and efficiency is that it's really the individual that already doesn't have time that goes into a job that doesn't have time, goes into producing work where there's not enough time. Mm -hmm. Does the follow-up where there's not enough time? Does the lead generation where there's not enough time? So you can literally do whatever you want under the umbrella. 
do you not have enough time for this? Do you not have enough time for this? Do you not have enough time for the relationship, for the lead generation, for the marketing, for the speaking, for the platform buildings, whatever it is that, that you're interested in, but it's all under your umbrella. You're mm -hmm. still a specialist. You're just not hogtied to the pole. Mm, you have the freedom in your specialty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So much, isn't that so much sexy? That sounds fun. Oh, that's sexy fun. <laughs> <laughs> See, I give you a middle name and you give me all of this wisdom, this razzle dazzle amazingness. Oh, yes, pleasure. that's your superpower. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, is it not so easy that everybody knows how to do that? No. <laughs> I'm struggling with this. Because, you know, you go and you, and you go to school, you go to university or you go to coaching school or you get certifications and yeah, they try to put you in these boxes and, and it's hard because you think I have to figure out the perfect way of describing what I do so that the perfect client, the ideal client knows exactly what I do. And if you get it wrong, then you feel like a failure. Um, but if you're too specific, then you feel like you're going to miss out on everybody else that doesn't quite hit that, that mark. Um, and I think there, there is that internal struggle of like, how do you name it? Well, I mean, you know, a tagline, I give people back their time to do That's things true. they love and want to do. I mean, is there anything more powerful than that? I mean, you have me on that. I'm like, what? I mean, you know? it is true. I kind of do that all the time. <laughs> Well, there you go. So, so, um, and that to me, you know, and, and, and again, you know, I, I believe that for a lot of us that are also on the intuitive side of things, that is a no brainer because if you follow that road of intuition and you just listen, you say, you know, it's, it's going to show up, it's going to show up, it'll, it'll show up. So just trust that. But, you know, this is where the system building then comes in. And, you know, on, in, in my world, you know, I literally give people permission to pursue their passion because we, we just reframe what they're passionate about. I mean, we're not changing the business. Mm -hmm. All we do is we are changing the way it works for you. So it's mm -hmm. in sync, it's in collaboration with you. So that- It's in partnership. It's in part, there you go, in partnership with you. And once you're in partnership with it, now you are not- trying to fit yourself into a, you know, because then you're the slave and your business is the tyrant mm -hmm. and the tyrant is forcing you to do something you don't really want to do because it's not properly positioned because it's somebody else's system. And I remember this is a really crazy story. Not so crazy. It's an embarrassing story. I finally, you know, got uh, a speaking engagement and to speak at the NASDAQ and entrepreneurial center in San Francisco. And I was so excited about it. And I had participated in a um, program from a, you know, at the time, very well-known woman marketing expert that had a specific system and how to speak from the stage and how to turn that into dollars. And everything she talks about is about seeding and about, you know, creating that need, but that's not who I am. So this was the first time in my life and the only time in my life where people walked out of a speaking engagement. Mm. It was that bad. And that, you know, and that is, I think when I had this realization, Lauren, that, yeah, you need to know what other people are doing if for no other reason than to say no to it <laughs> and to figure out that that doesn't work. That works for that particular type of person, but not for you. 
And then when you reject that, then you say, well, what works for me? Well, it's really the, it's really the value, right? So if I'm, if I'm going on this interview and I'm afraid that what I'm going to tell you that I'm getting myself out of a possible job, right? Now that I've told you this, you, you're never going to hire me because you already have the information. If I think that going into it, then I'm not coming from the place of giving and I'm not coming and then I can't receive mm-hmm. what comes to me, right? So I think the, the, um, the part that we in our industry as consultants and coaches and advisors have to be really careful about is that even if we give people the information, oftentimes they still don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Because if they know, okay, I know what I need to do, I still need you to help me do it. I mean, now that I know I need to make time my partner doesn't mean that I know how to do that. Right. Well, it's the difference between picking up a book and reading it and then being able to apply it. I mean, I always tell people like, nothing drives me more crazy than like the two weeks after someone reads a self-help book because they're like, I'm so excited. It's changed my life. I'm so much different. I look at my new mantras. And then literally day 15, they're back to what they were doing before. It's the rubber band because the mm-hmm. rubber band is designed to keep you safe, safely tight to the pole. Mm-hmm. And the minute, you know, you step away from the pole, you feel great. And then little by little by little by little, the rubber band takes you back, which is why you have to do this every single day. Like every single day, you have to commit time to your personal development to stay in that mindset because your programming is so strong. I, I, I describe it as like the USB port that when you were little, right, that was imp- implanted and you got the upload and this operating system just keeps running. In order to overwrite that system, you're going to have to keep that port plugged in. So it constantly overrides the system until you don't need to override it anymore because you created these, these new habits. But that original programming that runs all the time, mm-hmm. that operating system, phew, yeah, that little bugger. Yeah. I think for us, it was a floppy drive. <laughs> These kids now have the, the micro USBs, um, but it, it's so true. And, and, and it does take like a constant debugging of looking at where are these mm-hmm. old programs coming back up and where are they actively running? Yes. Everywhere, everywhere, you know, everywhere. And I think that the other part of this, and, and, you know, this, this kind of comes out when you then actually take the steps, you realize you're up leveling. And then what happens is all your friends and your, you know, and people that are used to you being a certain way, Mm -hmm. they just don't understand what's going on with you. No. Why are you being so different? Different. Different. Well, it's, it's the difference of like, um, I think it was TD Jenks said about like the, the turtles and the giraffes. Like as you up level, you become a giraffe, you're higher up and you're eating from the trees and the turtles don't understand why you can't come down and eat the grass with them. And while you can do it temporarily on a long-term basis, it's going to hurt you. All that blood's going to rush. It's painful to come back down. And it's not that the turtle wants you to be in pain. It just can't understand how you grew to be a giraffe and to get into the trees. That's a very nice way to put it. Yes. And uh, that's all for, you know, up-leveling is a painful, a painful process. Mm-hmm. It's great. And um, yeah, growth always is, um, you know, so I, I, I find that a lot of times we are afraid to step into that part of our passion, our impact and owning that 
because then everybody else who's, you know, the turtle goes and says, oh, you, you think you're so much better. So when I sold my business to Bill Gates and I, you know, I saw this number come into my account and it's, it's a huge number. I mean, for me, a huge number. I mean, it's not a huge number for Warren Buffett or Bill Gates, but it was a huge number for me. I mean, a life-changing number. And I look at this and then suddenly people say, well, the money has changed you. And I'm like, the money hasn't changed me at all. The money has changed how you look at me. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because we are no longer commiserating. We are no longer sitting there um, where I'm crying my eyes out that stuff doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Now, now, now what I've invested worked out. And now you look at me differently because I cracked a code to something that you probably never even tried to, to, to crack. And mm-hmm. it was easier for you to relate to me when I was down $135,000 in debt and broke and unhappy. But the minute that changed, your entire environment changes. Your friends are changing because mm-hmm. you cannot... What brought you here will not bring you to that next level. You have yeah. up leveling, literally. You're the giraffe up there in the tree. Absolutely. Great example. Love it. Yeah. And and it is a painful experience when you have been surrounded by people who you've known for a long time, who you you identify as picking you up when you're feeling down. But if that's all it's been, if they're not lifting up with you, if they're not on that same trajectory, not that they're going to be making millions of dollars, but if they're not up to the same stuff, then it is it becomes a weight because undoubtedly that comparison and judgment is going to creep in on one of the parts and there's going to be a misalignment. So it's not up to you or them to change, but to acknowledge that we are just in different places. And if we meet again in this, in the trees, then so be it. But you know, you're not going back down to the, to the weeds. No. And I remember, you know, I had a, a, who used to be a, a good friend of mine and, you know, it was like 15 or 17 years later. And for some reason I, you know, I was on a phone call with her about something And then she said to me, well, you have always been like this. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, please explain that. She says, well, you know, back then when you were a producer, you did this. And in my head, I went, wait, that's 17 years ago. Mm. I said, you're, you've been harboring this for 17 17 years? years. I said, so whatever it is that I did, I said, I have no recollection of this. I said, I'm sorry, because if you carried this with you for 17 years and it's not been resolved, I said, you know, what can I do to help you resolve that? You know, I have literally no recollection of it. I said, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's something I would do on purpose, but that's the story on how she, how she, you know, the story she held on to. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was when I decided that when you see it in someone else, what it looks like as they holding on to stories that are that old, you go like, what stories am I holding on mm. that are this old yeah. that I'm not letting go? And that is the invitation to, again, up level, become the giraffe. Become the giraffe. I need a yeah. giraffe. I have my, I have my owl. That's my ready Eddie owl. We have a conversation <laughs> every day. And I said, ready, Eddie, ready. Uh, but now I need a giraffe to remind me to go into the trees. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So if you had to give like a nugget of advice to our listeners who are 
feeling like they're on the cusp of something that they know that they really need to focus in on their systems, what would be one thing for them to really pay attention to or to examine further? I think when it comes to systems, it's um, by elimination first, look at the things that you really don't like to do or that you feel like you're forcing yourself to do because somebody else told you to do it. That's not your zone of genius. And so that's the first step. And that is followed right after, like where in the day, what do you talk about that lights you up? What is it that's easy for you that you, that you're, you know, where you go, if I could do that all day, I'd be so happy to do that. Mm -hmm. And whether that's, you know, sitting, sitting in a particular kind of a, uh, you know, a, a program or mapping something out or in an Excel spreadsheet or writing or speaking, whatever that is, and really start a start with that. And the third part about it is if you now would take a drone and you'll take that drone up above all of these things, what do you see? What do you see? What is all of what are all of these elements identify the elements and then you put your umbrella over it and say what would the umbrella be to all of that so that's really the method find your umbrella find your umbrella awesome awesome so if people want to learn more about you what you're up to potentially work with you where can they go so you go to growtharchitect.xyz and uh, you can also reach me via email i actually love to hear from listeners via email. So you just uh, write me to bc at beatechalette.com. And I'm sure it's going to be in the show notes yes. um, on how to spell that. And I, you know, and if you heard something and you say, well, can we just talk, go to uncoverysession.com. Just fill that out. I'll make seven of these uncovery sessions available. That is my diagnose, my, my diagnostic process. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can take you through that in 45 minutes and you'll find out, you know, where and what uh, you might need to be doing next. Fantastic. Well, I've already felt like my, my system was uncovered for the world. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> Ta Here it is. Now I have to do something about it before I publish this show. <laughs> I mean, I mean, truly, because uh, you'll probably find that everything you do is already within that, mm -hmm. within that it's, it, there's nothing new that you're doing now. It's just that you're reframing it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out, sharing your superpower, uh, your wisdom and uh, to all of the listeners out there, be sure to check out Beata. She's got tons of stuff out there and schedule some time, reach out. Don't be shy because your silence will only hold you back. And to all the spitfires out there, keep being awesome. Thank you so much for having me.